0: Hi everybody and welcome to the Living With Power Hope Podcast. I'm Lena Abujemra and I'm your host, It is fun to be back with you. We're launching a new series today. It is a new everything, except same old me, same great podcast. If you've been here before, then you know how this works. Uh, We share all sorts of things. We try to keep it under half an hour. Uh, The goal is to focus on biblical truth for everyday life. Sometimes we do teaching series as we're going to be launching today. Other times we uh, answer questions. I answer questions in a series called Dear Lena, which I'm working on soon uh, for a new series. Uh, But for today, I'd like to let you know that if you go to livingwithpower.org, or you can subscribe to a daily uh, devotional that you can get for free in your inbox we call it Tower minute because it literally takes a minute to get through it and uh, it's a great resource for the beginning of the year also we've got a bible study launching you may have heard about it and if you haven't then check it out uh, also on our website uh, it launches in february and we'd love for you to get your hands on it it's called through the desert and i'm looking at the faithfulness of god through scripture i think it'll challenge you it's a great study to do with a small group or on your own Uh, Hey, today I'm launching a a series that I taught recently called I Feel That, and the subtitle is Embracing a Biblical Response to My Negative Emotions. Who doesn't have negative emotions? Listen, every day is an opportunity to feel fear, anger, grief, shame, loneliness, insecurity, and those... Feelings are real. Every one of us has felt them. What we want is to be free of them. Uh, what uh, I see in scripture is that God uses those emotions to draw us closer to Him and to deepen our relationship with Him. So if you've longed for freedom from negative emotions, this is going to be a great series for you. When I look at one. Uh, emotion every week. Today, we're going to start with uh, an introduction to it all, sort of get a mindset on how to look at negative emotions. I think you're going to love it. More importantly, I think you're going to learn from it. So uh, sit back, or if you're exercising, or if you're driving, uh, lean in and listen up. And I pray that God will use this teaching uh, to draw you closer to him. Hey, welcome again. We are in a study called, I Feel That, embracing a biblical response to my negative emotions. We're gonna spend the next half an hour looking at lesson one. Today is an intro lesson. After today, we're gonna to be hitting an emotion, one emotion every week. I'm gonna whet your appetite a little. Today's teaching is called Why We Feel What We Feel. I sort of wanna give you an overview a little bit as to where we're going. It might be a little bit of a shorter lesson. I don't have a specific test, text in scripture. I have multiple places and I'm gonna to point to. I actually have narrowed down one point of text I'll get to in a second. But really today's an introduction, like when you take a college class or a high school class or maybe whatever in your career, you go, man, I'm going to. I'm just gonna do a class and, and don't you love that first time when you show up and they just sort of give you an overall review that's what this is going to be where we're going from today is going to hit one negative emotion each week next week we're going to talk about fear the greatest enemy of all the next the week after that grief and then shame and guilt and then anger and loneliness and insecurity and then towards the end uh, the feeling of being overwhelmed and so we've got a lot of good topics coming you might be asking tonight man uh, how do you feel about what you feel have you thought about that how do you feel about what you feel. Well, we got a little glimmer of an insight into that this week. Irina posted a, a thing on Facebook and asked the question, I feel, and you were supposed to fill in the blank. And we got tons of you answering the question. And I'm telling you guys, it was, it was eye-opening and it was sobering and it was real. And I connected with it because I feel so many of the feelings that many of you have put on. And, but I gotta read you some of the answers because I think it'll help you sort of see, maybe tonight you come to the study and you're like, man, I, I know what I feel. Well, do you? Let's let's tease it out. Here, here's what some of you wrote. I feel tired. I feel anxious. I feel uncertain. I feel busy. One person said, I feel content. Praise God for that. I feel disgust, frustration, and anger. Who hasn't connected with that? I connected with it in the last couple of years. How many of us don't feel that? Somebody says, I feel anxious. Another anxious. Another one. I feel expectant. I feel overwhelmed. That feeling of being overwhelmed came up over and over again. I feel dread, someone wrote. This is so honest and real. I love it. I feel numb. I feel uncertain, conflicted, weary, on edge, abandoned. And somebody wrote, I feel lonely. Man, it's real, isn't it? Somebody wrote, I feel redeemed and rested. There's more. Someone wrote, I feel hopeful but searching, drained and struggling stressed, overwhelmed, tired. A lot of answers here. Anger, overwhelmed, restless, overwhelmed, frustration, discouragement, fragile. I love that. I feel fragile. All right, the list goes on and you can see many of those emotions are what you and I would call negative emotions. I mean, there's happy emotions and there's negative emotions And so you go Are these emotions sinful? I think there's a sense in the Christian world that negative emotions um, sort of indicate some sort of spiritual failure. And I really trust that as we get into the next eight weeks, you're gonna see, And in fact, today, as we get into the points that I wanna share with you, why God allows us to feel what we feel. And I genuinely believe that whether you come with those feelings that we just read, of feel lonely and overwhelmed and stressed and anxious and sad, or maybe you are one of the blessed who feel expected and hopeful and, and joyful and content, no matter where you are on the spectrum, God has a reason for the way that you feel. It's today's teaching. As an introduction why we feel what we feel there are no such thing as right emotions versus wrong emotions right there we have emotions and so the first question is why why do we have these emotions And so let me give you five sort of guiding points in today's teaching and and i told you if i had a verse i think i'm going to settle on matthew chapter 22 verse 37 and that verse is uh uh, well known, as I start reading it, you're going to be like, "Oh my gosh, I totally remember that." It was. It's a little. Uh, it, it comes up in multiple of the Gospels, but I'm landing in Matthew 22, verse 37. Uh, it starts though where uh, the, the the Pharisees were talking to Jesus, and a lawyer came to Jesus and asked him the question, "Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law?" And, and so Jesus's answer is, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind." This is the greatest. At first commandment, second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And. I love that because I think this is a reminder that we are, in fact, emotional beings. God didn't just say, love me with your mind. He put all of us in it, mind, soul, heart, every bit of us. And so why did God do that? So here's the first big idea tonight. Understanding our emotions starts by understanding who God is. You cannot understand your emotions until you begin to understand who God is. The entire place where our emotions come from is a place of un- of, of of being made in the image of God. And so really, you can go all the way back to Genesis if you want to look at emotion, because you, you kind of think about the fact that we were made in God's image. Well, back in Genesis chapter 1, first chapter of scripture, it says, uh, God said in verse 26, let us make man in our image. So if we're made in the image of God, then surely he made us like a lot of times we think of it as physically. Well, that's actually not true because God is a spirit. And so uh, God makes us in his image in the fact that we have a soul in the fact that we think in the fact that we have a, a way to, to relate to him or relational beings. And so we're made in his image. And as such, part of that is our emotions. And so the very idea of us being able to understand what our emotions is demands that we understand who God is. See, because we are made in the image of God, our emotions are God-given. All of them. All of them. Because we're created to know God, our emotions are actually used by God for a purpose. And you might think about your emotions. Okay, you might say, all right, I'm going to think about God. And so what kind of emotions did God have? Well, there's a whole lot of them. We've got 66 books in scripture that talk about God. The Bible is a story of God. It's not our story, it's not a story about us. We are part of God's story, but it's a story about God. And so you cannot read God's word without understanding who he is. That's why we come together on Thursday nights, because we wanna understand who God is. By understanding who he is, it sheds light light on who we are. And so some of the emotions, and by the way, Jesus is the embodiment, it's an incarnation of God in the New Testament. He came in the form of Christ. Jesus is, we see his life, his emotions in the New Testament, but even going back to the Old Testament, we see, in fact, very early in Scripture, we see God creating the world and seeing that it was good. And, and you see, even in chapter one of Genesis, as the world comes to, as he creates the six days of creation, and then the seventh day, you see a God who looks around and says, this is good. And there's a sense of contentment in him. But if you don't think, if you go, well, that's implied, you know, cause you can move into chapter three, where Adam and Eve sin. And, and then you see God, you know, having a conversation with them. You can follow that track of conversation and you can deduce some, Uh, some emotions but really you don't have to do to deduce much when you get to genesis chapter six where we're told in verse five the lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and here you want to see emotion it says and the lord regretted that he had made man on the earth god felt regret and so you you kind of go about think about the times in your life where you might feel regret. Now, now I don't want to get into yet the theology of like how does God feel regret? I mean, He created it; He knew what was coming. Does He really feel sorry for creating? Well, it, we're, we're not getting that deep in tonight. This is an introduction, right? The point of it is that even those emotions that we might look at regret and go, man, I hate regret. Who of us wants to live in regret? And yet God created us with emotions, and so. The sense of looking around and seeing this world that God looked at Genesis six and saw a broken world, people who are always bent on evil. Do you wonder why you and I, when you think about our emotions, we're made in the image of God. Do you wonder why, how come we feel a sense of disgust when things fall apart when things that we thought should be working don't where do we get this we get it from this god of ours because we're made in his image but you go on in the old testament man i'm just going to give you just a quick points. you don't need to write these down but you see a god of compassion in deuteronomy 32 god describes himself as a god of compassion who is long-suffering so when we feel this compassion where do we get that well we have a god who created us in his image we feel grief and love and hate you see god talk about grief in the Psalms. And over again, Psalm seventy-eight forty is a good verse for it. We see love, of course. The New Testament is plenty, but even in the Old Testament, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. You see the hate. You see um, Proverbs six sixteen, where it says these six, uh, these six things the Lord hates, and it gives the list of the things that God hates. God hates sin. God hates evil. You go man, God is love. How does He hate anything? Well, He hates what is not. Good. And so so when we look at things that revolt us in this world and we think, man, I cannot stand it when kids are oppressed or, or refugees are abused or on and on of this atro- atrocities that we see, what's happening now in the war in Ukraine. You go, Where do I get this hatred for evil? Well, it's, it's because we're made in the image of God. God feels jealousy. He's jealous for us. It's not an evil jealousy. It's a good, again, these are emotions that we might look at as negative emotions, but they're not negative at all. They're given by God. For us in us there because we're made in his image of course god feels joy zephaniah three seventeen. he rejoices over us with singing this is our god he rejoices the end, the end of the story in revelation is going to be one big party in heaven if you're like me and you're like a loner i don't like parties i like to sit in the corner now we're going to be in for a surprise because there's so much joy in heaven and so we go on of course in the new testament most people who think about the negative you know the sad emotions jesus i mean everybody likes the verse in john eleven thirty five where jesus wept But you know, I see the picture of Jesus feeling compassion and sadness again and again. Though he weeps once in the New Testament, we see Jesus again. God became man in the form of Jesus. We see him. My favorite story of Jesus is when there's a widow who is walking and her son is being buried. He's dead and Jesus sees them. He's not even part of the funeral. He sees them walking and he feels such compassion on her, sadness for her. He stops and he raises the man from the dead. What do you think drove that? But it was a feeling of love and compassion. We see his anger, of course, turning over the tables in Matthew 21. We see grief over Jerusalem and the person of Christ. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and he's mourning over the state of Jerusalem. And so we see a wide range of emotions in God Uh, the trinity god the father god the son the the holy spirit is grieved when we sin and so again you want to understand your emotions you got to start by understanding who god is we are made in his image and because we are becoming christ-like our emotions are not meant to control us but to transform us i'm going to hit that back in a minute now this is big point number one understanding our emotions uh understanding our emotions starts by understanding who god is And so so if if you were to write a sentence here, and at the end, I'm going to review those sentences because I want you to use them as a means to reflect this week. And so a sentence would be, I have feelings, and that's okay. And so I think first, and you got you guys did that so well in that in that question that we asked on Facebook, where you wrote down your feelings. There's a, uh, the first step in dealing with negative emotions. When we talk about embracing these emotions and understanding, embracing a negative, or I'm sorry, embracing a biblical response to our negative emotions, the first step is to say, well, what are my negative emotions? What what are they? What am I feeling? And so acknowledge. Uh, that you have feelings, some good, some bad, or some we think are good, some we, uh, we say are bad. We've kind of become, we were these people who have come to this conclusion. And I, I really feel like this study is gonna challenge us to look at feelings that are touted as bad and see how God means to use them for good. But so I have feelings and that's okay. And so tagging onto that, point number two is, uh, is, is this big idea, engaging our emotions means recognizing what we're feeling. And so first there are feelings, we acknowledge that now. So understanding that we have feelings, Now, number two, engaging our emotions means recognizing what we're feeling. It's not always easy, is it? Y'all know that, I mean, I'm not married, right? I'm single, if you haven't met me before. I've been engaged twice, wrote a book on singleness back about 2012, 13, and, and so, but but you know, this is like the classic, you know, the husband comes home, he says, honey, how are you? I'm fine, right? Anything but fine, right? I and mean, you don't have to be married to understand that. But we do this in our relationships all the time. I go to my sister's house, and it's evident that I'm not fine. I'm like, good, I'm good, I'm good, you know? And we all do that, right? Because why, we understand that Engaging our emotions is hard because it means recognizing what we're feeling. And one of the most difficult steps in understanding what we're feeling is understanding what we're feeling. And so even the exercise we did on Facebook to say, I feel fill in the blank. That step, sometimes I can't tell what I'm feeling. It's 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 it's, Woven together, it's like a braid, right? In fact, Proverbs fourteen is a good reminder of that. There's many scriptures that acknowledge that, but I like Proverbs fourteen thirteen. Here's an example of what I'm trying to say. It says, "There is a way." I'm sorry, Proverbs fourteen thirteen. It says, "Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief." Right? And so, what does that mean? The idea that we can have more than one emotion at the same time, or that emotions can overlap, or that they're so complex. And so first you acknowledge I have feelings, but the next step is to engage your emotions, which means what am I feeling right now? And so you might come home and, and, you know, somebody says something to you and you yell at them, but what upset you maybe was an email that you got at work earlier, that maybe gave you a sense of insecurity. Maybe you got pulled over by a cop and maybe they threatened to take away your license or maybe you you know, you know got a piece of mail right before you walked in the house and it was an unexpected bill. And so you come in carrying the burden, not of anger, but of, maybe worry or or the sense of insecurity. And, And so now you come in and it's complicated because you look like an angry person. We're going to talk about anger in one of the upcoming weeks. And so we'll dig into that, but what's beneath anger isn't anger. It's, it's more complicated than that. And so, and so I have feelings. That's okay. And the second, you know, sort of question that I want you to kind of categorize Irina, those are questions that we'll give people to think through this week is what am I feeling right now? I am not made a secret that I, that I have seen a therapist. Uh, I love my therapist, and it really has turned into a relationship of accountability where I can talk about some of the things that I'm feeling, and, 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 and I think sometimes we ignore what we're feeling or we misinterpret what we're feeling, and one of the exercises of talking through that question to yourself, to the Lord as you pray, is to try to tease out, what is it really that I'm feeling right now? Because you see, as we engage our emotions, we can recognize what we're feeling. And so those emotions of like that kind of go hand in hand, you know, you feel injustice. So you feel, you know... Anger plays out, but it's rooted in justice. Anger seems like an easy one, to, but, but you look at other things. We're gonna, this is one of the things we're going to do in the next few weeks is sort of tease out. When you feel fear, what is it that you really feel fearing? And so it's important to dig past what you look like you're feeling to what you're actually feeling. And that takes a little bit of work. That takes stillness. That takes asking the Lord, search me. Why did the psalmist in Psalm 139 say, search me, oh God, know me. Show me, show me, tell me what is it that I'm feeling? It's hard for us to tease that out. Who in heaven knows us but God? And so emotions are real. They must be recognized as such. Uh, They are complex and must be handled as such. They're often mixed, and it is uh, the Holy Spirit's job to help us untangle them but you've got to give them the time to do it. And you're doing that by signing up for the study. I urge you, I, even now, I urge you that you would stay through with the study. Some of you are going to start, and then you're going to get busy. and Then you'll be like, oh, I missed once. I'm not going to come back. I'm not, this isn't, I mean, I like it when you show up, but like, really, it's not about me. It's that if you continue to expose yourself and to put yourself in a situation where you're asking those questions, then you're allowing the Holy Spirit to have some breathing space to speak into your life. And, uh, and so Bible study is a great place to do that. And so our emotions are never meant to rule us. Uh, What we feel is not the most important thing about us. I think if there is a cultural dissonance right now in 2022, it's that we have elevated feelings to be the main thing. But see, it's not what we feel that's the most important thing about us. I believe what Tozer... Uh, has said which i i I looked up that quote let me see if i find it here okay he says what comes into our minds when we think about god is the most important thing about us and so it's not our feelings that are the most important thing about us but what we believe about god that is the most important thing about us and we're going to see that play out this is an intro remember but in the weeks to come what we're going to find out is that what you feel is important You want to recognize it. You want to tease it out. You want to dig through why you're feeling what you're feeling. But that's not your story. That's just the beginning of your story. What your story is, what you believe about God. Because you see what you believe about God. When you look at anger, you see why was God angry? God was angry and he didn't sin. Jesus was angry. He wasn't sin when he overturned the tables. He was perfect in every way. And so now you tease through those things and you can understand that it's not my feelings that define me, but what I believe about God. And how do we decide that? We don't make it up. Why is living in a post-truth culture so dangerous? Well, because everyone's kind of coming up with their own definition of God. And so why do we hold to the word of God so dearly? Why do we live under its authority? Why do we treasure scriptures which are God-breathed? Because it is the word of God is truth. And it it, it says that about itself in Hebrews. It says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You want discernment, you put yourself under the teaching of of the Bible. And so, and so uh, that's the story. When you engage your emotions, you recognize what you're feeling and you do it under the light of scripture. That makes a big difference in the world. By the way, I see this play out all the time in medicine in a certain way. I, I, lately, you know, it's, it, I, I, in telehealth, it's interesting. We have, I have a lot of patients that call and they think that this is what they need. And I know that it's not. And people are always like, well, how do you decide that? And I say to them, it's because we've got a standard of care. We don't make it up. We've got a basis, a truth. And so we don't just say, oh, you need this. Oh, okay, well, you can do what you want. Oh, of course, it's your truth. Here's the medicine that you want. No, we don't do it that way. Why? Because there's a truth. There's a standard of truth. That's God's word. And most people understand that, some fight it. I have some patients who get mad, curse me out, I'm used to it by now, it's okay. Most understand it and they're grateful to know that a doctor doesn't just make up, draw medicine out of a hat and go, I think, okay, if this is what you think you need, here it is. No, we don't function like this, we function based on truth. And so even in a post-truth world, we recognize that there is some standard of conduct, standard of truth, standard of care, that we must abide to if we are to have a life. And so understanding our emotions starts by understanding who God is. Engaging our emotions means recognizing what we're feeling. Here's a third. We've got five points. Third big idea today. Interpreting our emotions rightly is the best way to identify what and who we truly love. I I really think this is going to be where so much of the money, so to speak, of the study is going to be. We all know we have emotions. We, we all, it doesn't, won't take a long time to sit down. I mean, it takes a few minutes to sit down and say, okay, what am I really feeling in this instance? Okay, we, that will take five minutes. But interpreting our emotions rightly is the best way to, to identify what and who we truly love. Our emotions speak a whole lot about us. They tell a story, they don't define us, but they reflect what's in our heart. And we're going to see this as we tease out the different negative emotions in the next seven weeks. We're going to see what is behind it. Because what we love ends up influencing how much we fear. What we love influences the amount of shame that we feel. you You just can track every negative emotion to this root of who and what do you love the most. And so our emotions are the most obvious expression of what we love the most. Our emotions are influenced by what we value the most. Even tonight, you don't even say you don't come to the next seven sessions for whatever reason. You just take this, just this teaching point, and you dig through your emotions. You you identify, maybe anger is your thing right now. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's feeling overwhelmed. What is it that you love? What is it that you're trying so hard to protect? What is it that you value the most? As you ask the Spirit of God to point, to put his finger on that thing, listen, that's where we find idolatry. That's the point of repentance. That's the point of seeing. Now, we no longer look at emotions as a bad thing as much as we look at them as a gift because they're away. They're engaged. They're like a barometer that help us to see, God, what is it that I love more than I love you? Well, you look at your negative emotions and the diagnosis is going to be there for you. And so our emotions are an indicator of who we are worshiping right now. You might say, well, I worship God. Yeah, but who are you worshiping now? Because there are many Christians who are walking under the banner of worshiping God. But in the moment of anger and grief and shame and and being overwhelmed, we're not worshiping God in that moment. We're worshiping our little man-made idols. And the entire point of negative emotions is God using those feelings to draw us back to him. Our emotions reflect what we really believe about God in this moment. We might say we believe, but are we living in a way that reflects what we really believe? And so remember, kinda at the beginning, I have these questions. So I I have feelings and that's okay. So first question, what am I feeling right now? Second question, why am I feeling this right now? All right, those are diagnostic questions. And then, uh, and then let's move to the fourth point. And then I'm, I'm shaping four questions that I want you to work on this week. I'll review them at the end, don't worry. But the fourth point in our teaching here, I don't mean to confuse you with all the points but I think in outline form. And some of you will love that, some of you won't, but that's okay. So in the fourth, fourth point, why we feel what we feel. I wanna bring in the sense of community. Here's this, sharing our emotions with others is a God-given or our God-given gift and calling. Sharing our emotions with others is actually a God-given gift and calling. I think it's critical to understand the role of community in this sanctifying work of understanding our emotions. And I really believe it is a sanctifying work. Okay. God has given us emotions. He's given us the Holy Spirit, but He's also given us one another. Even this week, I saw the taste of that when I was looking through your answers under that question of why, you know, I feel, and y'all were putting these. These feelings, you are so open and vulnerable and authentic. And I know that we're hidden by this screen so that people don't know you as well as you think they do, or maybe they do. But 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 there are people that know you who are watching your responses. But there's an openness that invites healing when you come alongside brothers and sisters in Christ and say, "Listen, here's the pit I'm in, and I need help right now." How many of us haven't read the Psalms? And maybe tonight you feel overwhelmed and tired. Listen, you spend time in the Psalms, and how many of us haven't heard the experience of King David when he was in the pit, when he was in the cave, when he was in the stronghold, and connect with him at such a guttural level. We go, I get it. And there's a healing work that happens as we share our stories with one another. And so why we do this in community as opposed to just listening to a lecture alone is because there is a sanctifying work of sharing our emotions with others. When you share your emotions with others, you're entering into the experience of another I mean, this is, this is huge. You know, there's an understanding and empathy that is created when you hear the story of another. I mean, this is so easily illustrated. I'll give you an example. You know, you you get in a car, you're, you're, you're driving your car, you're at a stoplight, a guy comes behind you, and career ends you, and it's horrible, the airbags go off, your day that was going so smoothly is messed up, and your first thought is, what kind of idiot doesn't look? And you get out of the car, and you're mad, and you're like frustrated, and you're maybe worried, and all of this negative emotion, right? And then you get to see the person, of course, you know, we all make conclusions, if it's a teenager, you're even madder, but then imagine, whether it's a teenager or an adult, imagine you talk to them for a minute, and now they're sobbing and they say to you, I am so sorry. I just left the hospital. I just found out my dad died. Man, this the whole story flips, doesn't it? The narrative changes. You're no longer mad Now you got compassion. Why? Because you've heard the story of someone who's hurting. Now there's understanding. No wonder they ran into me because they're not paying attention. Why? Because they're going through this immense grief. Do you see how sharing your experience with another changes the way that we see one another we go back to the crux that verse that I believe will be an anchor for this that verse in Matthew 22 God says love the Lord your God with all your soul that I might all your heart but then he says and love your neighbor as yourself and part of that loving journey is sharing your emotions with one another I love listen I fall short of answering I just saw Heidi I just saw your name pop up and I I, 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 I fall short of always answering to the extent because it's busy in my life so I sometimes answer little responses to emails but There is a gift that you offer me when you share, hey, can you pray for me? Here's what's happening in my life right now. There's a, an unveiling of who you are. There's an offering, a generous offering of saying, you can enter into my life. And listen, people won't be able to answer all your problems. They're not going to be able to fix it. That's that's our, that's the sanctifying work of community is we need to understand that you're not telling somebody else the problem so that they heal it for you. They can't. If you think I'm going to heal your problems, you're, you're. I'm sorry, but I mean, I do a decent job of of solving your ER problems. But... There is no way any human can meet that need. And so often that is where we can be idolatrous with our relationships is we expect people to do more than they can do. And we end up being wounded. And then we hide by saying, well, it's... forget that. I've tried sharing my, my, my aches with others. And, and, you know, I sat in a small group and I told them, and all they said was, what kind of cookie do you want? You know, right? You've all had that experience. Like you're sobbing and you share your story. And then they're all like, okay, well, time to have tea. And you're going, did anyone hear anything that I've said? And so we start building walls. And so maybe in some ways we've misinformed ourselves of what community means. And so there's an offering, it's a generous offering that comes to be, when you share your experiences and your emotions with others. and So uh, so I encourage that. I think you can do it wisely. That doesn't mean you need to go on Facebook and share every details of everything that you've ever gone through, but I think in a, in a context of community, and that is, I think, the gift of the local church is that God has given us a form to do it. And one of the big battles of 2022 and the last five years is that there's been such a hit on the local church so that we are afraid to go into those settings and share. And yet that is the gift of what God has given us in Christ and in his bride. And so Sharing your emotions uh, strengthens our relationships with one another. Um, sharing our emotions help us understand and love our neighbors better. And sharing our emotions does not always mean we agree with one another. It doesn't always mean that we, um, you know, that, that we get from the other what we want. I mean, there's some pain in that, but it is, uh, I think, a discipline that we need to get better at. And so, again, going back to the diagnostic questions that I want you to work on this week. First of all, acknowledge I have feelings and that's okay. Number two, what am I feeling right now? Number three, why am I feeling this? Number four, who can I share this with? And be careful when you ask that question. It might not be everyone in your life. It might not be your mother. It might not be your sister. I don't know. I just think there's instances where the Holy Spirit will say, you know what, for this, uh, I'm thinking about Joy as she sits up here, she prays for me so consistently. There are seasons where the things that I ask Joy for prayer for, I know my family cannot handle because they're overwhelmed with their own stuff. And there's a sensitivity that happens and I'm so grateful for the body of Christ and how that all interacts. And so, So that is a great question. Who can I share this with? And as you seek God, and by the way, first and foremost, share your worries and your cares with Jesus who invited us. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the first work is to share with Christ. Uh, The gift of community is that it's flesh and blood. And sometimes as much as we know intellectually we're supposed to share with Christ, one of the gifts of community is that you practice talking with someone. And and if you pray with them, there's an invitation into bringing those things to the Lord until it becomes a habit. And so um, last point, and we'll be finished with today's introduction is this. And I think this, uh, I think this is my favorite point of the teaching, which is this, getting over our emotions is not the goal of healing. All right. Let me say that again. Getting over your emotions is not the goal of healing. A lot of us think, man, I can't wait to do the study. I'm gonna do the study. I'm gonna get what she promised: embracing a biblical response to my negative emotions. And in our minds, there's this assumption, man, I'm gonna kick those negative emotions. In fact, in fact, the worldly teaching says that get rid of your negative emotions. You don't need to hate anymore. You don't. Which of course, you don't. We don't want to confess our sin if it's sin. But but whatever. Put the bucket of all the negative emotions, burn it up. We don't want to feel it anymore. Listen, that is the goal of the Christian life, is not. To get over, the end goal of the Christian's life is not to feel better. See, a lot of times when we're looking for that kind of healing, we just want to feel better. But the end goal of the Christian's life is not simply to feel better, but to love God more and to walk more closely with Him. Our goal is not healing in the sense that, oh, all my problems are gone and now I can live happily ever after. That is a prosperity-driven lie. Does God want us to have abundance? Yes. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. I came to give you life abundantly. Like, yes. But too many of us have made of healing and of prosperity and of comfort and of security in our life and in our circumstances an idol. And so the goal is not simply to be healed for the sake of healing. The goal is to know God. The goal is to walk more closely with him. And the goal is here it is, is to be transformed Into his likeness. The end goal for healing is not a method we cling to, but a savior we lean into. The end goal for healing is not a method we cling to. That's what most of us want, right? We're living in America. We want things done now. Like if I order something on Amazon and it takes two days to come, I'm disappointed. I want healing now. Give me the answers, right? That is how we're driven, that's how we've been taught, and it doesn't work. The end goal for healing is I'm not gonna give you a method. Listen, there's no method, but there is a person and his name is Jesus. And the entire point of our negative emotions is not a punishment for our sin. It's not something that we've been plagued with until we get to heaven and we never have another negative emotion. God has what you and I might call negative emotions, but they're not. They're in this magnificent, mysterious person we call God. And they're somehow part of his glory. The question isn't, do we have negative emotions, but what are we going to do with them? And why has God allowed us to have those things that we feel we shouldn't feel? And so that's going to be the journey we're on. The end goal for the study is not simply to get over our negative emotions, but to learn how to identify and correctly interpret our emotions biblically in an effort to grow, to become more Christ-like. Our emotions won't change until what we love changes, and engaging our emotions means engaging God. And so, this week, the questions that I want you—if there is a homework—it's this. You can do this in your journal. You can jot down the questions. Irina can post them later, just tomorrow. I want you to think about this. And so, the first is a statement, not a question. So, this is just—we have feelings. We acknowledge that. But here's the first: What am I feeling right now? Why am I feeling this? Who can I share this with? And fourthly what we want to ask, be careful, is how do I get over my emotion? And that's the danger. That is a question. In fact, I would write this sentence, Irina, and strike it out. How do I get over my emotion? Strike that question out. Here's the question we need to be asking for number four. How does God want to use this emotion to make me more Christ-like? How will God use this emotion to make me more Christ-like? I think this is huge. I think this is critical. And so as we get ready to Dive into the next seven weeks of emotions. I hope you'll stick with us in the journey. I really believe God wants us to find victory. Not for the sake of finding victory, but because those who walk in him walk in freedom. And so the more we know him, the more we understand his heart, the more we're gonna be able to experience those feelings that he's given us in a healthy and God-like way. Well, and there you have it. This ends the uh, podcast for today. And I'm so glad you stuck it out and listened. And I pray that God is using... Uh, what you heard uh, to draw you closer to him. Uh, We love the Lord here and we love seeing him work in your life. Listen, don't forget to check out livingwithpower.org. We've got a couple of great things coming up. First is the new study launching in February. Right now, if you buy it, you get so many awesome freebies. I'm not kidding you. There's some resources that you're gonna love. Check it out. Uh, Irene has put this together and... uh, Uh, By the way, Irina is my assistant who makes all of this magic happen, so give her a shout out. In fact, one way you can thank her is share this podcast with someone you love. Uh, Give us a shout out on on Twitter or Instagram or however you follow us, and we'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Uh, Also, if you check out our website, you'll find all sorts of freebies. Uh, There's a daily daily devotional that comes into your inbox called Power Minute. We'd love for you to subscribe and be part of our community. Hey, we're just glad you're here. We're just glad that uh, you have leaned into what God might want. do in your life in this year. And so we're praying for you and know that we're here for you. We'll be back again next week. In the meantime, have an awesome week and stay in touch. If you've got any questions, any comments, any prayer requests, shoot them to me at Lena at livingwithpower.org. Be blessed.